0: Hour number three of First Up continues here on TSN 1050. Aaron Korolnik, Carlo Koliakovo, and we've got our guy, Dave Festruck from the Toronto Star on the lines. not there. Okay, we'll get him in just a second. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to chatting with Dave because he's been covering the raps very closely leading up to the deadline. The decisions made by the Raptors to ultimately become buyers as opposed to sellers it's been a very curious couple weeks for the Toronto Raptors and they're emerging from the all-star break with renewed optimism the health is there Jakob Pertl is there maybe wins could be coming as well Dave Festruck are you in agreement with that idea that maybe there is a little bit of an optimistic tone being shed by the Toronto Raptors heading into tonight's game against New Orleans
1: well, we'll see guys. I mean, like I thought yesterday's media availability after their practice was kind of interesting. Like to hear Nick Nurse say the words, "I'm going to play 9 or 10 guys." Like is this the same Nick Nurse who's been running his starters into the ground who has 3 guys in the top 5 or top 8 of minutes played who ran Fred VanVleet literally to ruin last season in the first round playoff series against the Sixers? Like, if he's serious about that, and you got to believe maybe Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster put those words into his mouth because it's not Nick Nurse's nature. If he's serious about that, then maybe I am a little bit optimistic because I think that's been one of the big problems with this team, that they want to play a style of defense that's just not sustainable
0: with a seven-man rotation. And now with Jakob Pertl in the fold, Gary Trent presumably moves to the bench alongside Precious Achui. Maybe you give Chris Boucher some minutes, Malachi Flynn some minutes, and maybe that does make sense. I do wonder, though, considering the schedule that they are tasked with here in their final 23 games, very difficult, amongst the most difficult in the NBA, maybe this optimism is almost unfounded. They had their easy stretch here. They played Houston and San Antonio and all those terrible teams before the All-Star break. Now the big boys are ahead, and I do question how much of a difference Jakob Purtle can really make.
1: Yeah, look, I've made my opinion clear on this. I, I don't understand what they're doing. I really don't. I think giving up a first-round pick for Yaka Perl makes no sense to me. Getting better now makes no sense to me. You have the fifth most difficult schedule in the NBA from here on out. The, the you know the, the kind of conglomeration of the win percentages of your opponents is five twenty, which is awfully high. I mean, you got Boston twice, you got Milwaukee twice, you got Denver twice. So, look, what they're doing here to me makes no sense. I'd rather have the lottery balls in a really high end draft. But if they're doing what they're doing and they're doing it, here's what they're trying to do. Th- this is about Scotty Barnes first and foremost. This is you heard it yesterday Nick Nurse talking about Scotty Barnes has got to be more assertive. Scotty Barnes has got to be more aggressive. They they want Scotty Barnes to develop into the man because the only way this makes sense, the only way you're sticking with this team and trying to build on this team is if you believe Scotty Barnes can become a next level guy, can become the man. And so I think they're going to what they're going to do in these final 23 games and in the playoffs, play in whatever they end up, you know, kind of achieving, is they're going to make Scotty Barnes a big focus of this team obviously along with Pascal Siakam.
0: Pascal Siakam. Well done. Nice. Well, done.
1: <laughs> well done.
2: Uh Dave, I I want to get into big picture here with the with the Raptors cuz clearly I was disappointed at their approach at the deadline. This is a team that had some highly coveted players that other teams the NBA wanted. They decided to become buyers instead of sellers. But what this really highlights is the job that Masayu Jiri has done. How would you evaluate the job that Masayu Jiri has done considering he got that big contract because he was the guy this organization wanted to lead in, the, in a certain direction, but... That direction has sort of taken so many turns right now. They're kind of stuck in a standstill position with a lot of question marks going into the next season, too, with you know Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent, and Pirtle's contract up for grabs. How would you evaluate the job that Masai Ujiri has done so far based on the job we all expected him to do?
1: You know, he, he reminds me of a lot a lot of my writer friends. In the writing business, we got a lot of procrastinators. We put off everything until, you know, the deadline is looming and the deadline is bearing down on us. And he's procrastinated to your point, Carlo. He's just put off all the big decisions. He's kicked the can down the road. When maybe we all thought, hey, if you're gonna if you're not gonna resign Fred, if you're not gonna re sign Gary Trent, you gotta get something from them because we've seen what happens to this franchise when you lose players like Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka and on down the line, Kawhi Leonard for nothing. Uh, I don't quite get why he's procrastinated in this way again. I, I I didn't understand the deadline approach. I thought it was, you know, in a lot of ways, it was just essentially putting the pressure on yourself in the off season. So there is that. But look, in the here and now, if you're a Raptors fan, at least you have this. At least you have a stretch run. You can get excited about. I think they will climb the standings a little bit. I think there, there's enough bad teams around them. Like Washington's ahead of them. They should be able to leapfrog Washington. So I, if, if you're excited about, you know, a low playoff seed and a first round playoff series <laughs> against an opponent that's likely going to be a lot better than you, sure. <laughs> and let's face it, this is a, this is a weird time in the NBA. There are no great teams. There are good teams. I think someone was saying this is the first time in more than 20 years that nobody's on pace to win 60 games. Celtics are on pace to win 58, and that would be the top right now if that holds. So it is a weird year, and and maybe anything can happen in the NBA. And maybe if you're very, very optimistic, which I am not about this group, Mm -hmm. maybe you believe they could move into the second round.
0: He is Dave Festchuk from the Toronto Star. The Raptors, not the only Toronto team buying ahead of the deadline. We saw the Maple Leafs make their move for Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari, but I think there's a lot of people, myself included, Dave, that are looking at the next move for the Leafs, because clearly they're going to make a subsequent transaction considering all the retention on the O'Reilly contract. What do you think that move is? Is it a a top-four defenseman? And if so, how, how do they make it happen, and who is it?
1: Look, I mean, I was listening to your earlier segment with uh, MJ, and I thought his answer to the question "Who is the shutdown pair?" was telling, because even Mike Johnson, who who knows as much about this league as anybody and knows as much about the Leafs as anybody, was hemming and hawing, going, "I don't know." Like, <laughs> is it, it right now? It's right now, I guess. If they're going, Riley Brody is the top pair. There are no shutdown pair. Uh, it's it's Mark Giordano and Timothy Lilligren is your shutdown no. pair in the playoffs. I mean, Kucharom am is doing like that. sweet. That's crazy. <laughs> I'd rather really have Carlo Coliacomo at a wow, retirement. I appreciate that, man. Come I on, Dave. That. Let's not go crazy. Here. Relax. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> so I, it's obvious to me. I mean, you got to get you got to get a Muzzin. Like you've just you just got to replace Muzzin. I said it the day the day that they shut down Muzzin this season. And I'll say it to this moment, you've not replaced that guy, you need to replace that guy. There's a reason you got that guy, and whether it's Dmitry Orlov or whether it's Gabrikov, I I don't know exactly. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into that, but they've got to try and get a reasonable facsimile of a Jake Muzzin.
0: So I'm not trying to rain on the Ryan O'Reilly, Noel Achari trades, because I think both those moves were really shrewd maneuvering by Kyle Dubas. But I do wonder if they don't have the assets now because of all the moves that they made, all the, all the draft capital they parted with to bring in O'Reilly and Achari. If they don't have any of the capital to go out and get that top forward defenseman, was that the proper allocation of your assets to prioritize what you really need. I mean, the Leafs up front are really good without Ryan O'Reilly and Nolichari. Are they as good? Of course not. But if you don't have a a pair that can go up against Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov and Brandon Hagel, the top line for Tampa, did you make the right decision? And I'm not saying that they didn't because they've got eight days here to figure it out. But if they aren't able to bring in an impact defenseman who can play a shutdown role, it's more questionable decision-making, I would say.
1: Oh without a doubt if that if that turns out to be the case if they go into this deadline and come out of this deadline without the shutdown defensement that they need and it's because they didn't have the assets that's a big problem, A.K. No doubt about it. But look, I mean, they still have assets. They still got a yeah, they got tons of assets. They got a 2024 man. first round pick. They got a 2025 first round pick. They got Matthew Nyes. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sold on Matthew Nyes. The guy's, you know, his skating <laughs> isn't
0: exactly. Come you on, know. he's Gretzky, Dave. Everyone yeah. knows that Matthew Nyes is the next Gretzky.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I <laughs> just look, ask I'll a be, Toronto Maple William, Leafs fan. If if I'm if I'm Brendan Shanahan, forget Kyle Dubas. If I'm Brendan Shanahan, you think Kyle Dubas is under the gun? Brennan Shanahan's coming up on nine years in this city, running this team, and has got nothing to show for it. You don't think he is a little jittery, even though he has eleven years guaranteed uh, under his contract? Uh, you know, he's got to be jittery. He's got to be freaking out. They're all freaking out. I mean, this is—they've got to make it happen now, and they've got to make it happen against a very good Tampa team, which we all know. Even though they've accumulated all those miles with three straight runs to the finals and two Stanley Cup wins. And even though we all keep saying they've got to slow down eventually, they haven't yet. Uh, so they've, they've got to shore this thing up. I, I still think they've got to get a goalie too, but maybe they won't have the assets for that.
2: No, I, I, don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree with the goalie part because you just look at the market. I mean, if you go out and get a goalie, are you getting a guy that would give you an upgrade on what you have? And I don't see that out there on the market.
1: So yeah. Well, you know, who knows? I mean, would Craig Anderson intrigue you? No. Well, he's, he's got a, he's got a 929 career save percentage in the playoffs. He's played 48 mm. playoff games. I'd rather go with that than Samsonov who's got one career playoff win, personally. Yeah. No, hey, look, I, I
2: think you we we both have our own uh feeling about it, um, which is fair. Who do you fair. feel good
1: about net though? Is my question.
2: Well, Matt Murray has to be the guy. Clearly, oh, that's why they brought him he's in. He's not going to be the guy. Well, I you don't I, look. I I don't want to sit here and speculate. I know how I feel about Matt Murray. I was never a fan of the move when they made the move to begin with. But but you started in
1: game one of the playoffs.
2: But hold on a second. I just look at the last two seasons, and I could very comfortably say, very confidently say, that goaltending was not the reason why they lost no, those true. last two series. So. I wouldn't. I, I'm not necessarily freaking out. I think what we've learned under a Sheldon Keefe system that you don't need elite goaltending to win. You just need better than average goaltending to win. And I think the Maple Leafs, based on who they've had in net between Wall, Shalgren, Samsonov, and Matt Murray when he's played out of his best this year, they've been getting better than average yeah. goaltending. And yeah. if you fix the defense, if you fix the defense, it takes a lot of the. Spotlight off of yes. the goaltending. So. I totally
1: agree. No, we're 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 in alignment on the fact that the defense has to be the number one priority here. Because, and look, the other the other priority to me is you got to get a find a way, Carlo, and you, maybe you got an idea of how to do it. You got to find a way to get Morgan Riley playing better because yeah. he has been an absolute basket case out there. Just you know, you look at maybe it's because when he was out for 15 games with that injury, they became. The best defensive team in the league, right? And then yeah. they really were. I think them and Washington were right up there. I think they had the 32 goals against in 15 games. Um, and then now in the, what has he been back? 30 games he's been back. I think they're something like middle of the road, 15th or 16th. I didn't look at it yesterday. They're right in the middle of the defensive kind of goals against average teams in this league with, with Morgan Riley out there. And I think he's kind of caught in between. I think he saw the way they were playing super simple when he was out. Uh, not taking risks, just being very efficient and moving the puck to the forwards, and that doesn't really jive with his game because he likes to yeah. become a forward an awful lot, and, and yeah. I think he's got to figure out a way to find his swagger again because right now he doesn't have it.
2: Yeah, sometimes uh, you know, I, I used to say best, and used to it used to be said to me best. Less is more. Yeah, and with Morgan Riley, I think that's the the perfect thing that he should embrace, accept, and be better at. Less is more. You got your forward group. There's enough talent there to generate offense. Focus on being better, uh, playing better positionally defensively. Play with a little bit more jam and just just focus on making. Like you, you saw the two plays he made in back-to-back games on just making a good pass. Yeah, you know the one off of the end boards that Mar- that uh, Mar- Mitch Marler puts in on the breakaway and then sending in My- uh, Michael Bunting on a breakaway against Buffalo. Yeah, like it's all about the first pass and and I think if he can just. And I get it. he's not having a great season offensively scoring wise He's got what two goals on the season, yeah, that probably you know is in his mind saying, "I need to do more, I need to do more, but doing more exposes him more so yeah. I'm agree I agree with you, I think Morgan Rowley has to has to has to play better because if he plays better, everybody else follows, and sometimes doing less is more, and you'd have to think any defenseman they bring in. It's probably going to be salary in, salary out. So I guess we'll we'll wait and see how this whole thing plays out. But I want to get your your, your thoughts on, you know, this whole trading in the NHL because I, you know, I made a comment on it yesterday because I still can't believe Jacob Chickering is not traded. Yeah. It's been almost two years this guy's been traded. And the price hasn't changed. It's like, hey, you want a guy like this, it's going to be two first-round picks or a first-round pick and a highly coveted prospect that equals a first-round pick like Andy Strickland. Uh, Mentioned yesterday, and and my thought process behind this is you look at leagues like the NFL and you look at leagues like the NBA when they covet a player, they don't really care, They, they don't focus on what the cost is draft pick wise because they're getting a player that is coveted at an age that is coveted. Mm-hmm. With a salary that is below mark market value, I don't like. What's the holdup here in acquiring Jacob Trickman? The the, the NHL uh, gives you seven draft picks every year. Okay, yep. the NBA gives you two, and they trade draft picks like they don't even exist. If they get the player that they want in the NHL, it's like, oh, that's way too much. I can't do that. But you're getting a player that fits everything you're looking for. I don't get it.
1: Yeah, look, I, I totally agree with you. And there's, there's, there's a big problem in this league with you know the inflexibility around the salary cap and the inability to make moves easily. And I agree with you. I think some of it is also just these guys, these guys who run the teams, the managers, as they like to call themselves, not the general managers, the managers, they generally manage conservatively, right? They're very conservative guys. And so there is that. There's not a lot of guys that are kind of big swingers. There's not a lot of guys that, that are not afraid. A lot of them are afraid to lose their job. But with Chickrens, yeah, uh, Carlo. I think the the one thing you hear is just the uncertainty around his health. It's a guy uh-huh. who's never been able to stay healthy. I mean, I think the most he's ever played in a season is 68 games in his first year, and it's been lower and lower than that. Almost. Well, every the Maple Leafs knew that about Matt Murray. and They still acquired him. Well, and that you scratch <laughs> on that. <one>. But <laughs> you he, know I mean? from the Sioux, but he played <laughs> right. in the Sioux, so he must be good, right? So, um, no, I don't. I think that's the problem with Chickering. I mean, I've I've watched this kid since he was you know playing in the GTHL. Uh, way back when, and, and no one doubts his talent, no one doubts his, his competitiveness, no one doubts that he could help an NHL team in a big way right now, uh, but I do think people doubt his durability, and I think that ultimately, if, if you're worried about one thing, Carlo, and, you, and you've dealt with this your whole career too, like, GMs are just scared that if if you acquire the guy and he's in the press box for half a season every year, it, it's, it's going to kill him.
0: Dave, always a treat to have you on. Your suggestion of Craig Anderson over Ilya Samsonov has blown up our text <laughs> line, ten fifty fifty. 50 uh, I love it. That's why you're one of the best in the business. We appreciate your time as always, my friend. Appreciate it, fellas. Have a great day. You too. Dave Festchuk from the Toronto Star. Braden Shen in our number four of the St. Louis Blues will get his reflections on playing with Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Chari and the difficulties of playing on a team that look to be trading away significant assets ahead of the deadline. Hour four next.